Listeners, you know the drill. We'd like to thank our Patreon supporters. That is Matt, Nick, Justin, Sarah, and Teddy. Thank you for all of your money. We are going to do amazing things with it. All of our patrons have access to our Patreon-only podcast, Pillow Talk with Ian and Joe. Last week, we talked about our most indefensible theological takes, so I hope you are interested in listening to that. It's a, it's a, it's a thinker. If you would like to give us money so that we can make the world a better place, or at least buy better microphones, or if you'd like access to this, again, delightful podcast, you can go over to patreon.com slash W-T-H-I-A-P. Again, that's patreon.com slash W-T-H-I-A-P. And uh, we'll take whatever amount of money you want to give us. Or if you don't want to give us money, share us with a friend or uh, subscribe to us on the podcast app of your choice. Drop a rating. Go crazy. Who knows what could happen? Anyway, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. to What the Hell is a Pastor, a podcast about life and set-apart ministry. Each week, we sit down to discuss our experiences and challenges in small-town parish ministry and in PhD work, and ask others to join us as we try to figure out what the hell it is that pastors do and how to do it as best we can. So I was I was supposed to go down to North Carolina to visit a friend of mine and then to see my family because my mom's getting her knee replaced. And then um, some hackers hacked a pipeline and uh, I don't have enough gas to get there. <laughs> hey so, Yeah. So I the families that I nanny for actually were traveling this weekend already. So I had to stay off and like I usually would have not been available today to record, but I had to stay off. Um Anyway, and so I was going to drive and then uh, I'm, I'm here. I'm at the house. So I am uh, the my taxes have been filed by my All tax right. preparer and I am figuring out how to pay them. Did I say in the podcast how much I actually? Oh, did I keep that on? Um, no, you did not. Yeah. So update update on the pastoral taxes. I owe like 1500 for my federal taxes and like 1200 for my state taxes and that's it <laughs> so that comes it's still highway robbery but yeah. it's not eight thousand dollars <laughs> yeah i think nine thousand is what what they had said on their road yeah. yeah which is like i'm like oh, okay yeah i'm going on the run <laughs> there's there's no way i could pay that yeah yeah ian just said it's petty theft rather than grand larceny <laughs> which i think mm-hmm. is true ian also just watched a video about how there are other governments that uh send you a tax bill instead of whatever we do i think the u.s also used to send people a tax bill because i remember like looking through my papa stuff after he died and there was like uh this is the taxes that he owed in like 1947 or whatever so like yep. They All could six do dollars. It. <laughs> it was not a lot. <laughs> it, was, 
but so I am uh, figuring out a, a still, I still have to do a payment plan for, I think yeah. for both of them. I mean, I could, I guess, put them on credit cards, but the interest is going to be lower if I do a payment plan with the right, government. Right. So, so yeah, that's where I am. But I also um, actually a former congregant from the church that I interned at um, is needs an executive assistant. And so I am, reading through the job description and the, and the legal contract for that. So I, I might have a, a, a tax paying job too. So that's interesting. How do you feel about that? I, I feel pretty good about it. Um, cause, because between that job and the nanny job, I'd be back at like 40 hours a week. Um, and this job would be remote and it's uh, like, it's just a businessy thing. Like it's a, uh, this congregant does it tech stuff um so it's like there's there's no need to be like jesusy about anything it's really just like i need you to like keep up with my calendar and invoices and other stuff so that i can work on like growing the business and i was like okay that sounds good like i will take for however long you want to pay me to do this i will take it uh and i'm getting paid pretty well it's only for like 20 hours a week max um and they really want me to not go over like 40 hours in a week. So since I work 27 hours with my nanny job, technically, uh, I like, I won't get the full 20 hours most weeks, but like Ooh. it's remote. It's like work that I can do. It like gives me experience, like learning businessy kind of things, like even just reading through the contract and then like Googling things in the contract that I don't know. I feel like I've learned stuff. So yeah. I think it's good. I think it gives me an idea of like, um, if I ever want to hustle in the future, <laughs> like do things that involve invoicing other people. Cause most of my experience work experience has been either with like the state of North Carolina, which has its own system that I learned backwards and forwards when I worked at the planetarium, uh, or like using the planetarium system or like at the library where I collected fees and entered them into a computer system that uh like I don't know that that actually went anywhere you know um or like that's really or, or like working at Coldstone <laughs> where I didn't really like touch any of the money so or like working at a summer camp or working as a pastor well pastor stuff we deal with money and things but like you have a treasurer who does who like should be invoicing and stuff so this should, this is a chance for me to like get down into the nitty gritty of um, how like a how an independent business works, which I think yeah, could yeah. be interesting. Absolutely. And it's yeah, and it's good for right now. Um, like the the contract is for a year, but I can leave at any point if I get another job or if we move or whatever. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I feel That's I feel good great. about it. No, I think you should. You know, like real talk. Like that's sort of the kind of work that Beth did. Like that's how Beth started with the job she has now is um, a friend of hers from a business class at college is a CPA and started his own kind of CPA independent practice and just kind of reached out to her and was like, I need somebody to keep books for me. You know, can I pay you some money to do that? And now she's a full-time employee there and it's all remote, you know? So it's not like the work she like envisioned doing for the rest of her life, but it's work that she doesn't mind doing. And there's a lot of benefits for her doing it. 
and without that job, like, you know, we'd be, we'd be fucked, you know, <laughs> like in a lot of ways. Um, and, and so, you know, and I think about like me too, I mean, the, the appointment is ultimately a side hustle, mm-hmm. right? So it's not, it's not everybody's favorite life, but it's, but like side jobs and remote jobs, uh, you know, that just might be how millennials stay solid, you know? Yeah. How we do our work. That's not a bad thing. It, and particularly the remote stuff. Like if you can, if, if this is something you really end up liking to do, you know, and they need you to do this sort of in perpetuity, uh, a 20 hours a week thing that you can do anywhere is really not a bad thing to have for forever. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. And I think that'll depend on like whether the business actually is able to grow in the year or like, like how, how everything shakes out. But like, also it's, it's, IT stuff, you know, like yeah. the the reason that I can't travel right now is because somebody did not have a security person who knew their their IT stuff well enough. You exactly, know? exactly. So and, yeah, and, I feel yeah. like it's it's at least solid for now. So yeah, I that's that's been a big part of like the past couple months is um like kind of kind of acknowledging that um that I can like do do just to see work in my free time not that I'm really doing anything but that like in theory I have the ability to do just to see work in my free time and do something else uh to like make money and like that's that's fine because like the story I told the congregation and like the story that I told my family because everybody expects me to like do great things um the story that i told everybody and probably ended up telling myself more than i really meant to is that i would then go like find a job with a nonprofit that's making change in the world and like that's what i'm gonna do and like that was Mm -hmm. when really like the reason i left is because somebody yelled at me and uh like the calculus for whether i stay and deal with that conflict or whether i go and find something better landed on me going and finding something not even better just different um But, but like everybody needed to hear me say that I was going to go do something that like pursued my passion because that's a lie we need to tell ourselves. But um, I'm like slowly letting that go if I'm letting go of it at all, really. (laughs) So, so we'll see. I don't know. I like, I'm still like, I'm salty about so many things in life, but the like gifted kid lie that you get a lot. as somebody who like made A's in school is that yeah. like, Oh, like you'll be able to do whatever you want and they'll pay you to do it. And like, no, there's only so many jobs in the world where you do whatever you want and they pay you to do it. Like <laughs> that's not how these things work. Right. So, right. And, yeah. and, you know, your saltiness is why I love you so much because <laughs> it's because it, it speaks to my saltiness. And so it's like deep crying out to deep where, you know, that, that's how I, I, I'm always like, oh yeah, this is why we're friends. It's right. Because, because we're, we hate, we hate everybody. Yeah. So <laughs> we're bastard coated bastards with bastard filling, <laughs> which I'm and fine I, with. Yeah. I, I am not necessarily fine with it, but like, I also, um, it also is just like a part of who I am that I, I like, I also grew up like needing to be the like 
the peacemaker kid, but also just like the happy kid, the kid who's not having any problems and the kid who was like never angry, right? Like I'm a middle child. That's how I kind of dealt with everything is I was a mediator mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. everybody everywhere. And so I don't feel like I'm allowed to um, to just be grouchy about things. I feel like, like I, I feel a lot of guilt over being grouchy and angry and thinking that people are always gonna let me down. <laughs> like I watch Angels in the Outfield at, at a young age and like like the whole point of that movie is that like you can trust people and it'll be okay. Um, but like you can't and it won't. So, <laughs> so there's that. I, I was yeah. talking to somebody today about, um, they're like, have you ever thought about, like, I know you're you're angry at the UMC right now. Like I know that like you, you don't wanna be in a church um but like you could just start your own church though i'm like oh god (laughs) that wasn't like my gut reaction to it it wasn't like (laughs) oh no but like i like i thought there have been like fleeting moments on mind of like i could start a church but also like i don't want it i don't know that i want to start a church i don't think that that's the most efficient model i don't know i have a lot of thoughts about it yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I think all of us who have been in positions like we have 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 sort of had these weird fantasies about starting our own church. Uh, I know that's one of the go to fantasies that Nick and Jory and I, you know, will will throw around whenever we get to be around each other. You know, we we're around. We're finally around each other. We smoke pipe. We drink whiskey. We talk about the, the standard stuff. And then eventually we get to when we start our own church, (laughs) (laughs) which is, which, which, you know, like all we really mean by that is when we're able to, you know, do Christian community together again, you know, when we're able to, to, you know, be, be with each other and people we love, that's really all we mean. We, We don't really have in mind, even if we, even if we fantasy book it, you know, we don't really have in mind what doctrines would we preach? What, what would our polity be? Like, like that, that's not really stuff we, we seriously think about. Um, I don't know, Joe. I, I, <laughs> I don't know about that. I never do. I, I have, I have a million feelings about it and, and very few of them are really strong anymore. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I uh, think that even if I never were to have gone back to do church work again, which, of course, I am, but, like, even if I never were to go back and do church work again, my, there was always a scenario in, you know, in my mind where I would get reconnected to a traditional congregation Mm. uh, in some way, mostly because... uh, you know, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate being connected to a traditional congregation, particularly when I can find friends and Beth and I can, Beth, Beth and I have, are, are in careers that don't, at this point, that don't allow us to meet new people. And so a church is one of those limited spaces where it's possible to meet people. And that's always sort of, you know, because my faith, I've accepted that my faith is, it's not that it's a private thing. You know, it's not that I don't need people. It's just that I have a particular faith that I don't think needs to be nourished in a traditional church way. I think its nourishment 
come and its manifestation comes from other kinds of Christian community. Um, and so our joining a church would be purely social. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't hate it. But the problem is, is that I'd want to do it when I like, you know, have like, am, uh, find a place to be, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to have it be a transitory kind of a deal. Yeah. I think that's a, that's another big part of like what has been weighing on me in the past couple of months is that um, uh, like, I think Ian and I talked about this on pillow talk too, but like, Oh, good. Uh, without knowing like you know because i'm not a patreon subscriber i've never listened to an episode of pillow talk i you could you like genuinely it's set up that like all patrons get to listen to pillow talk so you could like give a dollar a month now that's dumb in terms of like the fees we get back but like you could do it anyway (laughs) i bet it's great that's all i'm saying I'm, (laughs) i'm i'm just saying that like i've never this sounds great but i've never heard it because i'm I am a cheap bastard <laughs> who doesn't even support their own podcast. <laughs> no. um, yeah. Anyway, the, like the idea of um, like, we don't, we don't know where we're going to land. We don't know like where the solid next step is. And that's really soul crushing, especially like, I, I, I don't want to speak for Ian since he's on the couch, uh, but like, <laughs> especially going from school for 13 years of your life to undergrad to then grad school like then to to a church job and then a job at a university like it's it's jumping from I'm in an organization I'm in an organization like I'm in this place this is what I'm doing for this a determined amount of time and there's just kind of like the great unknown of what happens after this job is over and like that's that's really stressful I, it's really hard to trust that there will be something there at the end of that or that like you'll be able to find something at the end of that because because I think about like the two the two things that I'm working the two jobs that I'm working right now one of them I got because uh like a friend of a friend had a coworker who needed a nanny and mm. that's how I got connected with these families. And then like, this is somebody that I knew at a church who like knew that I was looking for work and thought of me yeah. and like knew that I was capable of doing the job. And I find that like, uh, other than my job at the planetarium, which I like signed up to be a summer camp counselor and the barrier for entry <laughs> to be a summer camp counselor is not high uh in college at like you know like I was just like a capable college kid and that's all I really needed to be but Mm -hmm. like uh, once I got in the door there I just kind of stayed in that organization and went like I have I have not had a lot of success applying to jobs like finding a job online and applying to that and and hoping for the best and being one of like this pile of applicants like it usually things that work out are things where somebody like where I know somebody where I've already made a connection and so like the idea of like Ian's gonna leave the university that he's working at like what what do we do next where do where do we go like do we continue to jump into this this uh, employment market without like any any connections that are going to get us a job because I think that's what it is most of the time is that like you are connected to somebody and that's how you get a job mm-hmm. or you're ordained to this purpose or something like that yeah <laughs> I, just, uh, 
I, I and I hate language like that about jobs of like God has ordained you for this like I, I, no like God gives us all many skills and we find the thing that like we can use if if we have to involve God at all in the discussion of employment like I don't know Ugh. yeah yeah I also like don't I I don't know that I'm the type of person to start something for myself like I don't know that I could start a church any more than I could start a business, you know, like I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have a passion about anything. I'd much rather like jump on something that already exists and work within that community than try to like find something on my own. But like, I don't know. I'm also thinking about like churches, like, like going back to your, like when we start our own church and like the idea is that like you already you like there are people that you know who'd want to be part of this like this faith organization that you're just gonna have like I feel like there are several steps um before like you you start a church where you're like building the community around the church and eventually you get to the place of like I guess we could be a church now um but like I I wonder about that like growing period and whether like you jinx yourself by considering yourself a church what makes a church how many people have to be in a church for it to be a church what the hell is a church anyway what the hell is a church we are announcing our new podcast (laughs) no because what the hell is a pastor is also basically what the hell is a church that's exactly right i was also talking to this person about who was like you should start your own church or have it was not you should but have you ever thought about it and i was like oh i've thought about it um (laughs) But the other thing is they were like, I, I don't want to be a pastor. Like I, I, I want to help my community, but I do not feel skilled to be a pastor. And I was like, well, I think that people think pastors are everything and no pastor is all of the things that people think they are. Like people think that we are, um, like spiritual counselors, but also like are able to deal with deep emotional problems, but are also able to be like the CEOs of our own little business, but are also able to like handle political situations with a lot of savvy um, and are also like public speakers. And uh, I, you know, like there, there are so many hats that you expect a pastor to be. And like no pastor is great at all of them. Um, mm. And like, that, that's why I, I feel like, at least like the United Methodist understanding of pastor, which is the first and like primary understanding of pastor that I have. Um, like that's, that's why it's so difficult to, to be a clergy person is that like you kind of need a staff of people with different gifts and talents, but um, most churches don't have enough money to afford a staff. And then, so you're stuck with somebody who is always going to be disappointing in one way or another. Mm. And, and there's no, there's not like the emphasis of like the congregation being able to meet, uh, to, to like do the things that they expect the pastor to do, but like the pastor is not skilled at. Like if I had like a Stephen ministry at my church who was doing that kind of like pastoral care and visitation stuff. Um, I would have felt I, like that. And I, it's not a felt thing that would have enabled me to do other stuff without feeling guilty about not visiting people as much as I should, you know, cause like pastoral care is not, it w- will never be my strong suit. 
like it's something mm. that I can learn to do and be fine at in like a, a limited amount of situations, but I'm not, I don't enjoy it. It exhausts me. It stresses me out. I think even with like years and years of practice, it would still make me tired. It's not the thing that like I live through. So like if I had a, if I had members of the congregation who had a visitation ministry, um, if I had a treasurer who hadn't gotten all of the money stuff dumped on her, you know, like if the, yeah. if the kind of business side of the church knew how to function in the congregation instead of the previous pastor having done most of it on his own for the past 15 years and not cultivated lay leadership, like, I don't know, I, like this is not to, to hate on my previous church. I just feel like, um, like we should understand pastors differently instead of pastors needing to wear all of the hats. Uh, maybe pastors wear the hats that they can comfortably wear and the congregation grows to continue to like meet the needs of the organization. I don't know. It sounds like you've got a really great idea for how churches should be. <laughs> welcome. Welcome everybody to the podcast. <laughs> no, I, I feel you. I feel you. I wish I had more to say. I really do. I, I, my, my, like I said, my emotions regarding starting a new church or, or how that church would go are, are just, are just not very strong emotions anymore. Mm. And so it's, it's kind of like, you know, I, uh, I'm kind of like, yeah, I mean, whatever. I, I used to make fun of Bonhoeffer's religionless Christianity thing from his, from his uh, diary, from Dear Diary, <laughs> sometimes I think about. <laughs> in jail. Uh, yeah, Dear Jail Diary. Sometimes I think about what life would be like if Christianity wasn't a religion, but it was a relationship. That's the, meta the metatax version of it. <laughs> um, but, I, but I do, I said, like, like I used to, because I, I think we've had, like, we, when, we, when you, Ian, and I were in Bonhoeffer class, I think that, I'm sure we've had that conversation where I just am like, like Bonhoeffer's wrong about this. You know, like he's, I don't even know what he means by religion. I don't know what he means by the world. I don't know even what he means by Christianity. And, and now uh, I'm, I'm kind of at a point in my life where I'm like, yeah, like if there was a way to guarantee <laughs> that, that, that regular churches were just social clubs, I would join one. <laughs> <laughs> which is so strange because um, maybe I am, maybe I am looking for uh, a, a religionless Christianity and then the religion part of it doesn't have to be associated with, with Jesus. It can be associated with good times. <laughs> I mean, I think we're all really looking for community. Like I think. Yeah, that absolutely. I know that that's like the buzzword and I like I cringe when I hear it in like evangelism and church planning classes um, because like that very quickly in my brain goes from like we're looking for community to we all want to have our own cult you know like I don't community to me goes into the like we all must follow the leader kind of like I, really quickly I don't like it it feels gross I hate it like and, and I don't want like a church that takes up the entirety of my life the way that a cult would like but I also want church to be something more than um, than what I think it is for a lot of practicing Christians in the United States, which is like 
an obligation that they fulfill on Sunday morning and maybe like one or two other things that they do with the church or, or like people who like have like, this is some, this is a thing on their, on their schedule that they do, you know, like we go to church and we see so-and-so and and like, these are our church friends. Like I, I somehow I want more than that, but I'm also mm-hmm. very suspicious of anything that's more than that. You know? <laughs> I know. I know what you mean. Yep. I, I and one of my best friends from growing up who I went to visit a couple weekends ago, like I know her from church, but we're like genuinely friends. We're not just church friends. And, mm-hmm. and again, like here, here's a job in my life that comes about from like church and connecting to people at church. But like, also I do like, there's, we have so much manufactured community over the course of like school. And like, I like to say that I make a lot of organizational friends. Um, and then once you're out of school, like, where do you make friends at? You know, like, where do you build community? Because like, I don't know that the United States is good at building community because we're not very connected to the people that we live around. Like, we're not friends with our neighbors. We don't build communities geographically. So, but we're also, it's also really difficult to build communities based on like the interests that you have. I don't know. Ian, yeah, do you yeah. stand up? Oh, sorry. Ian's moving from the couch now. <laughs> it's okay, man. I get it. Ian's like, these white people, I'm so tired of these white people. <laughs> <laughs> that might be. He might be done with this episode. And that's why he's walking away. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, the, yeah, you see, I think, I think one of the things about why community as is like such a kind of a cringy buzzword for, for us and for, for lots of different people now is because I think when white it is when white people but but it's more of a it's more of a class thing i think too you know which which is it's a it's all interconnected of course but when when wealthier people when people who kind of have this semblance of self-sufficiency and even if it's a a more of an illusory self-sufficiency talk about community what they really are saying is how can i network better and have more friends you know, it's not really community. It's because because community in this kind of strong sense is um, uh, uh, is community that's not really a sort of a voluntary association. Not really. You know, community in a strong sense is is um, you know that group of people that we need in order to survive and live and prosper and you know kind of kind of be people and so like that that's what makes conversations surrounding church community kind of hard uh when we attempt to like talk about it in like an evangelical key or when we talk about it in the sort of middle class religion key you know because yeah. because for 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 some folks for for some people for some regions and parts of the world and parts of this country, when they talk about their church community, they mean it in the strong sense. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, and, and chances are those folks are probably not middle-class. Yeah. Honestly, they're probably not white a lot of the time. And they're, and yes, you're right. Cause it's all, it, it's all intersected. Um, and, and so, when that community, when that word community kind of comes into the sort of middle-class religion 
lexicon, I think then it takes the form of this, um, you know, of community in this kind of weak voluntary sense where, oh, we're a strong community here. You know, well, what I think what that means kind of concretely is we're very polite. We do a lot of social events. We um, are in your business. We uh, uh, have good networking opportunities for you. And, and if you can amass yourself in that, there'll be a lot of benefits. Um, but that's not really community in the strong sense. Mm-hmm. And, and the church, I think, kind of historically is, is sort of meant to be community in the strong sense. Yeah. Um, and, and this is why it, it, it sort of becomes, uh, for a lot of people, it's why church is so superficial because it is because sort of middle-class church is supposed to be superficial. Um, that that's kind of the idea. It's not really, it's, it's supposed to be a sort of superficial gatekeeper. And, and it's why when conservative Christians or evangelicals sort of imagine a, a church that isn't superficial, um, they don't really imagine a church of like kind of, community in the strong sense they begin to imagine like the christo fascist state right right like they begin to imagine this this church that sort of polices the morality of its members you know rather than this church that nourishes the the needs and lives of the members um which is really i think what the church is supposed to be i say all of that uh, a, because I'm, I'm kind of reflecting on, on why I also am find the word community to be really cringe. So like Wesley Theological Seminary talked about being a community all the time. Right. And, and they usually, and, and people usually began to invoke that, if you lived on campus, that is, they usually began to invoke that uh, when they needed your shit. <laughs> um, and so when knocks on your door of Carol because it snowed and he needs to get his car out, but he doesn't own any way to get his car out. He knocks on your door and says, Hey, can I borrow your shovel? And you respond with no. And then he freaks out because we're supposed to be a community. I'm like, sorry, but like, I'm not giving you my shit. Mostly because up until this point, there hasn't been any other community interaction between you and I. Yeah. You just are looking for my shit, you know. That's the answer. It's the same thing. It, it's the same principle when a when a uh, um, corporation talks about being a family. Right. Well, we're really a family here. Oh, cool. Well, can you double my salary? No. I'm like, well, I mean, if we were family... <laughs> Right, you'd be considering my needs over your profits. So. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, Ooh, I, I think you're I'm not right. coming in today. No, no, you have to come in today. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were family. Yeah, that's <laughs> just some shit we say. <laughs> so yeah, that we can I get know. you to work longer hours. Yeah. 
for shitty pay. Yeah, yeah, I have that. I have that. Yeah, it's really cringy to me when corporations do that. It, and I think I think you're right. I think that um, you know, and I think that this is a, a a facet of whiteness, or or at least like colonial imperialist imperialist imperial like imperial like empire thinking. Um, mm-hmm. it is like you but all you do really is like extract value from everything around you and everything must be like is in service of like the earning capital and accruing capital and so like there's no there's no value to having real relationships because like really it's because like if you if if I had needed your shovel, if I had like gotten caught on campus and like really needed a shovel and I knew you had one, I think that you would be like, yeah, sure, just bring it back. But because mm-hmm. like there is no other friendship, there's no other interaction prior. I think that's like, I think that's really the big part of it is that like, not that you have to earn help from somebody because that that's not what we mean by this, but that like, um, that, that there is like a trust and a knowing that's involved in in situations um and you can't just you have to do the work for that to be there you can't just invoke it and pretend like pretend like the work has just been done because you have said it um yes yes yeah i think that's something that uh, that white christians do a lot where we where we're like where where we declare something righteous or we we declare that something is good like we just name something as what we want it to be, but have not put any put any work into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't think of a concrete example, but like that that feels very true to me. I well, I mean, obviously, community is a good concrete example, but but I I think that just about just about every um, at least for white Christians, just about every kind of church thing we do has that element to it you know, particularly now. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> to be to be fair, to be clear, I'm not just some awful person. And I'm like, no, I'm not helping any of you shovel your cars out of the snow. This, this guy was like, give me your shovel because we're a community. And I'm like, you hate me. What the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. I'm not giving you my shovel. You know, this isn't a community shovel. That's then the other thing. I'm like, I wasn't aware it was a community shovel. Hey, give me your Nintendo Switch. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I think that's the other thing about community at Wesley is that like it really was only meant for community of people who lived on campus. That's like, you're exactly right. Yeah, if you were a commuter student, if you were part-time, you did not feel connected to the seminary. I, when I was doing the Wesley Journal my last year, uh, kind of like the graduation, no, I think I did like a community edition before that and I had a bunch of different people. I was really intentional of getting like a person who lived in intentional housing and a person who just like lived on campus and a person who was a part-time student and commuter students, like trying to get like this whole view of it because like I really feel like, um, you're if you're a commuter student you're getting the short end of the stick because 
like all universities are able to offer is the experience and that is where like the inflated cost of tuition comes from is this like on-campus experience and I feel like I heard this on a podcast and was like that's true but I think like there's there's real studies on like why why is school so expensive now and it's really that they're trying to like craft a student experience and that's how they're jacking up prices so if you're a commuter student though you're not a part of community like maybe you'll come for like the free easter dinner or whatever but like Mm -hmm. there's there's no real investment in you so all that money is really going to the people who are on campus except like no offense like the people on campus are kind of cliquish and 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 cultish and doing their own things too you know why would why would that offend me i know (laughs) (laughs) i i know that So it's just, I, I don't like in my brain, kind of like I understand the ideal, like the 1950s ideal of seminary, where you like spend these three years and like set apart learning to prepare yourself to go into like a life of ministry. But that's not the model that Wesley has, right? Wesley is like famous for like, if you want to do this, we will take your money and sign you up for classes. Like, mm-hmm no matter like what your situation is or how part-time you need to be like we we offer a very flexible schedule as chip would say so like i just don't understand why i'm paying for somebody else's experience but i myself am like not on campus all the time actually have a lot of other shit going on like i'm just here to I don't know, working in the library kind of helped me feel like i was more part of the like wesley community quote unquote but like mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like there's kind of a, it's, it's not necessarily a lie, but it's, there's this ideal that's kind of being presented. That's not actually being lived into. And that's something that really irritates me as a human being. I think other human beings are maybe okay (laughs) being like, ah, like we want to do this, but we're not actually going to actually achieve that. Like that's just kind of our goal. Whereas like, I'm like, but you say that you are this. And if you're not actually that, like, you're just lying to me, go away. I don't, which is why, like, I'm really irritated at the church again, (laughs) because, like, the church is like, we're a community or, like, the the church wants you to come as you are or, like, I'm just, like, I'm thinking of of bigger churches that I've been at in the past who have um, given, who have stated ideals and then uh, those ideals have not gone to have not been a part of other churches that I've been a part of like the there there are you can kind of get away with anonymity in a mid-sized church mm-hmm. so a mid-sized church can kind of say like come as you are and we'll love you because like oh, they don't really know who you are so like come as you are that's fine because like we're not going to investigate any of that we don't really have time for that but in a smaller church um come as you are means you can wear jeans to church on sunday but like do not bring your bisexual self to my church why would we be okay with that that's that's a low blow there were lesbians at one of the congregations i served in the past and they loved them um and there was a very very flamboyant kid who i think eventually came out as gay who was that like a beloved member of the he was a youth. He was a, went through confirmation and was a youth and was at college uh, when I was serving one of my congregations. And like, they loved him, but they loved him despite, you know? Um, well, well, and remember my, my most unkind take and critique when it comes to most churches is most churches are really okay with gay folks 
It's just that they don't like the people they don't like. Hmm. So like, I, there, there were gay folks at, at church I served too, you know, like, like historically the, 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 but historically the, the one person that got rid that, that drove them away was the pastor that I replaced. So somebody who wasn't really a part of the community to begin with, you know, and, and so I think by and large, um, the, the people that churches like are their own people. And they just don't really see the, the, the gay people, the, the sort of churches, uh, you know, kind of average, perhaps non-evangelical churches, you know, perhaps this is more of a mainline thing. But I tend to think that, like, I think that um, I love you dearly. I, I think that your church just didn't like you very much. Yeah, I think they and wanted to it, like me, and I think yeah. I just was not the person they wanted me to be. Right. I don't think your bisexuality had a ton to do with it. No. You know, and and like that's terrible, and it's it's on them, and I'm that that's not a reflection of you at all. But like I I used to say that to Corey too at at, at um his his first appointment, you know, as he began to have trouble with his first appointment, where where he was like, but because he even adjusted the way he preached. He was like, I changed up the way I'm preaching. Why don't, what's wrong? Why, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything they want me to do. And I'm like, Corey, they just don't like you. They just, they, if, if you, if you, Corey, were to have shown up at their church as a visitor in a month, they would have wished you'd leave. Because yeah. they'd have gotten to know you and they'd be like, yeah, we just don't want you here. It's really that simple, you know, and, and it's unkind. But that was definitely the case at the church I served too. Like there are people who who would show up, you know, who, who were visiting or because of me or, or, or we connected with for some of our uh, outreach events that visited and were there for a little while and then would leave. And the reason why they left was because, and they tell me, they were, they were like, you know, we like you a lot, Pastor, but we just don't feel the same welcome from, from enough people here. You know, what, why do you think that is? And I'm like, I don't know. It's, and I never said this to them because that would be rude, but it's probably just because they don't like you. You know, it's probably because they think you're trash or it's because you're not a part of the club or it's because I don't know, you're too liberal or you're, you know, either way, it's just who you are. They don't like you, you know, um, that's what happened. Once again, not to make it about me, but like, that's what happened to for some of the folks that ended up leaving you know while i was there for the three years i was there you know the five or six folks that 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 left ultimately left because once they got to know me they decided that they didn't like me you know because it's not like i sat and preached about gay folks in the pulpit like that was the thing that i said i would do it's it's not like I sat around and talked about the impending communist revolution. That's not, that's <laughs> not what I did. You know, instead they just didn't like me. You know, we don't like that. You're not masculine enough. We don't like that. You, you know, do theater. We don't like that. You, one of the uh, women that ended up leaving, I think I've said this on the podcast when it happened, 
called me a disrespectful brat. She didn't like that. I, I didn't, uh, you know, call people like miss so-and-so or Mr. So-and-so. She thought that I was too big for my britches. Mm. I think you have said that before. I've heard that. Yeah. Which is, (laughs) is, is not a very respectful thing to say. (laughs) It is not. It is not. But, uh, it's terrible and not nice, but I think it's uh, I think it's one of those things about church life that like church people can sense is unacceptable. Like like church people can sense that this is not the Christian thing to do. It's not the Christian thing to just be like, yeah, I just don't like you. And so they've got to come up with like cosmic reasons. Right. Yeah. You know. By and large. There's always there's a, this is a, this is a generalization, and I recognize that because there are many uh, LGBTQ people who have been disowned by parents and grandparents, and I'm not here to belittle that. But but outside of evangelical world, by and large, the grandparents that I have met who are conservative love one gay person, mm-hmm. and it's their gay person. Mm-hmm. And that, and in their mind, it doesn't cause them to go, well, maybe all gay people should be given love because in their mind that their grandchild is gay is besides the point because it's theirs. And so maybe they just don't like people. I don't know. Yeah. I I think there's something to this. Um, and I think that like the the kind of cult of politeness that most churches are a part of um, is is a big factor in the we can't just tell you that like we can't have a conversation about <laughs> how like there's something that isn't working here. I, I don't like communities are just are are built up from relationships and like their relationships that are just not ever you're never going to want to be close with some people in the world for like a, a myriad of reasons that may or may or may not have anything to do with like an inherent bias that somebody else has but like they're just people that like i don't want to be friends with so i'm not gonna be friends with them like outside of people who are toxic um outside of like my own internal biases like that, that I need to work on. They're just like people that I'm like, you know, I could take or leave that person. Like, mm. and, and I think that churches, I, people who come into churches can kind of sense whether you are the type of person that like this community is, wants to have or not. And I don't, I, I, like, I don't think that you should ever kick anybody out of like a group of friends unless like something egregious has happened but I think that like friends come and friends go because like that relationship is important for however long that relationship is important for and not all relationships have to last the entirety of your life and so like there's there's a sense in which like you can go to a church and be like you know like this just there's nothing wrong with this church there's just this isn't the place for me and I don't want to complain about that like I think everybody should find a community where where like they want to be that also wants them I think the problem, what what we have with most mainline churches is that um, they want younger people, but they don't actually want to be in community with younger people, mm-hmm. um, or or like or they just want people like in the pews, but they really actually don't want anybody outside of their community in the church. 
because they just don't want to be around other people. Like they know the people they like and they, and they're done. And, and I think that's the real challenge for churches is uh, how do you be a place where like um, anybody can find a, a space there? Or like, how do you be a place where like, even if this is not the space for you, I can help you find another space that is for you. Um, mm. Cause, because I think that like, I, I think people complain a lot people who want like the church to be the church universal and don't love denominations and hate that we've had schisms and all this kind of stuff. Like, I kind of don't mind that churches have different worship styles. I kind of don't mind that churches have different emphases. Like I, I don't, I don't mind that denominations exist. You know, I don't love schisms. I don't love like the fact that we can't figure out how to be kind to one another and love one another well uh and and know how to leave in love i don't think that we're particularly good at leaving in love when we disagree over things Mm. but uh, like i I don't mind that these things exist what i mind is like in general well there are many churches where they know the kind of person they want in the church and if you don't fit that you are not really welcome and uh and you can go rotten hell you know like if universal salvation is a thing, then it kind of doesn't matter whether you went to church or not and whether you want to like play this game of being in this community. But but we do tend to spiritualize it and tend to be like, oh, well, if you if you can't manage to be a part of our group, then you're going to hell. Like that mm-hmm. that's where this problem comes in. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And like, is that religion like and like I'm thinking back to like Bonhoeffer's religionless Christianity and like you you kind of can't have Christianity without religion. Like it, it just comes with the trappings. But, but I also think that what we all kind of want is, well, not what we all, what like the two of us want and what many people, what, what people in our friend group probably want, right? Like people who are listening <laughs> to this podcast probably want is um, something where they uh, feel like they're in community with one another and that like, Christian values of love are practiced and love and care for the poor are practiced. And like outside of that, it doesn't matter what the music is, doesn't matter what the preaching is, doesn't matter necessarily what all we celebrate. Well, I like, I don't know. But I also want a Bible study. I also want to think deeply about theology and who God is and who we understand ourselves to be in the context of who God is. Like, I want to be able to engage with Christian tradition. Um, mm. And I want to have a group of people who hold me accountable uh, to living the best Christian life that I can because I don't want to go off on my own and, and fuck it all up. But I don't know. There, there's just so much about uh, the rest of church culture that I could really leave. Not take or leave, just leave. Right, right. Yeah, I feel that, man. Those are all the things I want. That's why I, I, I the, the fantasy I do have from time to time is um becoming uh a lay person at a church and then just like just just becoming a menace just just a, a menace lay person yeah. who does whatever <laughs> who does whatever they want pastor just want to let you know i'm gonna be starting a bible study during yours uh no you won't <laughs> i can do whatever i want i'm a lay <laughs> so. person so. I'm a lay leader. You want me involved in things. Second. Yeah. <laughs> well, can we talk about this? Yeah. How about let's get a cup of coffee sometime. We can chat about that. You know, give me a break. Like, come on. 
I'm going to an annual conference. I'm going to, uh, you know, cause mischief. Please don't do that. Uh, well, I'm going to do whatever I want, actually. Um, so it'll be it'll be fun. <laughs> uh, bye. I'll wear my uh, such and such United Methodist Church shirt and I'll be like, that's my pastor right over there. Yeah, <laughs> I would love it. I would love it. And then what are they going to do? Like, you know, no, we don't need you to teach Sunday school. You know, oh, OK, well, let's find another volunteer <laughs> to, do, yeah. to do all the work. Yeah, is we are we are the the world is prime the church is primed for people to be assholes as lay people, but I guess the church has always kind of been primed for people to be assholes as lay people. You're right. I don't know. Like, uh, uh, one day we'll figure out what to do with the clergy class, and and how to be Christians living together, but it is not this day. Execute the clergy class. <laughs> Yeah, we are not executing the clergy class. What, what's wrong with that? Because you can't saying, just I, execute a whole class of people. I guess you're right. <laughs> I guess you're right. Still, that'd be pretty funny. <sighs> be like, well, we're very important. All right, call down fire from heaven. <laughs> you prove know, your, prove your ordination. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, have you seen the movie Agora? No, I think we've talked about it, uh, but it's about Hypatia of Alexandria. Uh, oh yeah, 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 we have talked yeah. About um, there's a scene where there's there's a Christian and then like uh, like Greek priest, um, and the oh. the Greek priest is like Christianity is is a false religion. Your God does nothing. You know, just. Because the Christians are causing troubles, so they're yelling at the Christians. The Christians are not like the the best people in this movie, um, sure. but so he's like this guy is like calling out this Christian, and the Christian's like, okay, well here's a bed of hot coils, and uh, we'll both walk barefoot across it, and we'll see uh, which one of us you know fares better, and that will be the test of our God, and like the the christian like prays to god to protect him through the fire and then he like walks across and like not a singe on his body is perfectly fine and then the priest is like oh shit and like prays to zeus or whoever and zeus does not show up and his uh his like cloak catches on fire like people have to put him out it's this whole deal you know like maybe we could bring that back a little bit you know just i wouldn't hate it i would not <laughs> hate it i'm with you all right let's uh let's wrap this up quick okay Friends, thanks for listening. This has been an episode of What the Hell is a Pastor? We are Ethan and Joe, and we will see you next time.